0: The scripture passage this morning is Genesis chapter 1, verse 26-31. can be found in your pew Bible on page 3. Want well, to remind us where we are? We're in the sixth day of creation. And that day God created both the animals and man. And so today we are looking at the creation of mankind. Will you pray with me before we read? Heavenly Father, enlighten us by your Holy Spirit. Give us your grace that we may see in these your words the good news of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Genesis chapter 1. 26-31. 26-31. Hear now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. Then God said, Let us make man in our image and our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, Everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. That's for the reading of God's word. May he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. In the summer of 2005, the London Zoo posted a sign in front of their newest exhibit reading warning humans in their natural environment. The exhibit featured eight Homo sapiens and a sealed enclosure adjacent to another sealed enclosure of various primates, the human... Captives were chosen from an online contest and spent their time sunning on a rock ledge, playing board games, and waving to spectators. A signboard informed visitors about the species' diet, habitat, worldwide distribution, and threats. The goal of the exhibit, according to zoo spokesperson Polly Wills, was to downplay the uniqueness of human beings as a species. Seeing people in a different environment, among other mammals other animals, said Wills, teaches members of the public that the human is just another primate. Tom Mahoney, one of the participants in the exhibit, agreed. A lot of people think that humans are above other animals, he said. When they see humans as animals here, it kind of reminds them that we're not that special. Although this is a common, modern sentiment, this is in direct contradiction to the Bible. Which not only expressly says that we are given dominion over creation and the animals. But that unlike any other create creature on this world, we are created in the image of God. The theme this morning is God created us to commune with him through Jesus Christ, his son, in the, holy, in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. God created us to commune with him in Jesus Christ his Son through the operation of the Holy Spirit. That is our not only our origin, but our purpose. We have three points this morning. The first is we were created to reflect God's image. The second is that we are created to reign as viceroys or vice regents. And the third is, we were created to reproduce godly offspring. The first point, we were created to reflect his image. It's seen in verse 26, when God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Now there's a lot that has been said about the use of plural in this verse. Then God said, singular. Although this is the word Elohim, which is plural, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Some have said this is the use of the royal plural, something that would come into use later in ancient Near Eastern history as a way of reverence towards those who are royalty. Others have said that this is talking about the heavenly courtroom. And God is saying, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, is God speaking to all the angels. When both of these examples fall short, I think, I believe, to explain the meaning behind let us make man in our image, the first is the royal plural. It's not something that is used prolifically throughout the Bible, and so it doesn't really make sense that a precedent would be set here. And the second is to say that this is God speaking to the angels in the heavenly courtroom means that we are not only made in the image of God, but we are made in the image of angels and other created beings, since he says, let us make man in our image. And the best example or the best translation or understanding that we have of this is that it is a foreshadowing of, of the Trinitarian nature of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. and the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This here is a threefold, word, threefold use of the word created. Barah, which is a word used only in correlation with God's creative acts. And that threefold use, God created, so he created. In the image of God, he created, male and female, he created. is to show us that this is the ultimate point of God's creative work. This is the high point. This is the peak. This is the climax. But what exactly does it mean to be made in the image of God? What does it mean to reflect His image? This is an important conversation in our age, in our culture, in our society today. But God's Word comes to us and tells us that we are made in His image. And the first point that I want to discuss when it comes to being made in the image of God, it's not to, dis- to discuss or to talk about theologically necessarily what that means, but to say this specifically, that being created in the image of God endows all of humanity with dignity. This is important because at the time that Moses wrote Genesis, there was already the concept of being the image of God. But this concept, being the image of God, was for the elite. It was for the kings and the pharaohs, and they were told that they were the. Uh, they told the people below them that they were the image of God that they were deserving of dignity and respect and worship and praise, but you, all you, are not. That there's a special privilege to be made in the image of God. In the Bible, the word of God comes to us, and it says, absolutely not everyone, every human being is made in the image of God. It's worthy of dignity and respect. Now, why is this an important point of conversation today? Because the proliferation of the modern secular worldview, influenced by things like the evolutionary theory of Charles Darwin, has told us exactly what that London Zoo exhibit said. That there is really nothing special about us. That we're just another primate. We're just another animal. And you may say to yourself, Carrie, what difference does that make? It's just some people believe that. Some people think that. It's a theory. It's a way for them to, you know... push push God out of the equation, but but what what is the outcome of that kind of thinking? Is it really that harmful? And I would like to tell you that 60 million aborted babies in our nation is a perfect example of what that kind of thinking gets you. I would like to tell you that the millions of dead bodies in communist countries like China and Russia are an example of what that kind of worldview gets you. When human beings are treated like nothing but animals, they are easily disposed. And if they bring nothing of value to your society or culture, they are thrown away. That's where the term useless eaters comes from. Being created in the image of God means that we all have dignity. And what do you carry? What do you mean by all? I mean all. Rich or poor, disabled or not disabled. Black or white, yellow or brown. Education or no education. Ability to speak, ability not to speak. Deaf, blind smart, intelligent, every human being because they are made in the image of God is worthy of dignity and respect and any injustice that happens in our world is because that person has been treated less than the image of God we need to get this in our minds. We need to understand this aspect of the image of God. Because any of the conversations that we're having in our culture and our society today about racial relations, about the way that we move forward, about people who are being mistreated, if it does not include The biblical understanding that all human beings are created in the image of God, it is lacking. And it will not accomplish what it is meant to accomplish. Being made in the image of God means that humanity is endowed with dignity. But it means more than that. It means that there is something about us as humans that can reflect who God is. There's an analogy between us and God. We are not God's little g. We are the image of God. We reflect His image. And the way that we do this is with personality. We are persons just as God is persons. And personality means that we have knowledge. We have feelings, emotions. We have a will. We make decisions and choices, and there is something about our personality that reflects God as persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But also, we're capable of morality. We think in terms of conscience, right and wrong. That is not to be said of other created beings. And with this, morality means that we have freedom, but we also have responsibility. And another component of being made in the image of God is what we call spirituality. And that is that we have a religious aspect to humans. We all worship something. We are created to worship. We have the ability to have communion with God, to worship God and to praise Him. And all three of these things have been distorted by the fall, but they have not been lost. And that's something that we need to make sure we remember. The image of God has not been lost. It's not been destroyed by the fall. It's been distorted. But I want to do one more thing. I want to look at what the image of God means in terms of the story of redemptive history. Because when God created us in his image, he had an intention behind that. What it was meant for. And when we look forward into the New Testament and we look at what we hear discussed and talked about when it comes to Jesus Christ, Son of God, we read in Hebrews that Christ is the perfect representation of God. We read in Colossians 115 that Christ is the image of of the invisible God. The word there used is the word icon. It's the same word used in the Septuagint in Genesis for being made in the image of God. You see, the one who was the image, the first Adam, human beings, male and female, prefigured the second Adam. The second Adam came and fulfilled what it means to be made in the image of God. And then, therefore, now as we are redeemed, the image of God is being restored in us, to us. But the way it's being restored points us to what the image of God really means. We're not simply being restored to a standard. We're not simply being restored to the Ten Commandments, to moral perfection. We are being restored, conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Who is the perfect representation of what it means to be human. Just as He is God. So when we think of the image of God here in Genesis... We have to press fast forward. Yes, this means that we have dignity. Yes, it means that we are creatures who have personality, morality, spirituality. But it also means that we're created with a purpose, a purpose which was disrupted by sin, the curse, and the fall, and a purpose that's been restored ultimately and fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, the one who we are united to, and the one that we are being conformed to. That's so when we hear, in this moment, God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them, we have to remember that our being created in the image of God was with the knowledge the preordination the foresight the providence of God knowing that we would fall that the image of God would be distorted in us. And that the one who images God perfectly, Jesus Christ, would come and undo what the first Adam had broken. The second point this morning is that we're called to reign as viceroys or vice regents. Every time I hear the word viceroy, I just think of Star Wars because that's the only time I've heard that term used. But it means a ruler exercising authority in a colony on behalf of a sovereign. A vice-regent means a person who acts in the name of another, notably a person who acts for a regent or a king. Verse 26b says, we are gonna, God says, Let us make man in our image and our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And the second part of verse 28 says also, Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So part of being made in the image of God means that we rule in God's place as his representatives. That we are tasked with the responsibility of dominion over the animals. That we are the caretakers of creation who are given all authority on earth. That is what God made us for. That's an element of being made in the image of God means the ruling over and caring for all of creation. And God's intention of this, apart from the fall, was to be a peaceful prosperous wonderful beautiful garden keeping and animal husbandry that would be marvelous to have examined what do i mean by that i mean i mean prior to the fall we can think of even, even as we read words described for us in the prophets about the the future that we hope for, the new heavens and the new earth, that there would be peace between man and animal, no sense of animosity or violence, that the Garden of Eden would have expanded out from the Promised Land, from Mesopotamia, and filled the entire earth, that it would have been a beautiful garden full of peaceful and loving animals, that would live peacefully with man. They would be cared for, nurtured. A man would reign as vice regent for God, perfectly imaging what God's kingship is for us. A righteous and a holy and a pure In a good rule. So, you know what happens, right? The fall comes, the world is cursed. Man must work hard to, to, to till the fields. Animals, snakes now, they bite, animals attack. There's a disruption. Of what we were called to, the way that we are called to image God by reigning as vice regent. But I want us to think forward again, in terms of redemptive history. Being made in the image of God means that there is a, a rulership, there is a kingship. And if we have already been told, as I've told you, that the one who images God perfectly is Jesus Christ who comes into the world and we are told is the image of the invisible God. Then what we see here in the image of God on mankind, that we are called to reign as vice regent and viceroys here on earth, is a foreshadowing of the perfect kingship of Christ. Who would come at the perfect time and bring the kingdom of God in seed form. But there is a difference. There is a largening, an enlarging, a broadening with Christ's kingship, right? Man, in the image of God, is tasked with ruling the earth, the animals. Jesus Christ, after his resurrection, would say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That not only in Christ's suffering and death and resurrection and ascension did he gain the right, the privilege to be as the perfect image of God, the true ruler and reigner over earth, but he was given the right and the privilege to be king of kings, Lord of lords, king in heaven. And to restore to us, to restore to us what was lost in the fall, That we would no longer rule with an iron thumb. An iron scepter. With harshness and cruelty. But as the image of God and Christ Jesus is restored to us. We would have the ability to peacefully reign. And is this not what it means? When Christ comes and he tells the disciples and he instructs the elders of the church, you're not to rule over others. That's Gentiles. You're to be a servant. Lastly, we're told the point that we were to reproduce godly offspring. After God created man in his image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I think that's important to note because male and female both are created in the image of God, equal, the dignity. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. This corresponds to what God said to the other creatures. He said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the water and the seas. Let the birds increase on the earth. With an added statement. Fill the earth and subdue it. The original man and woman's intended... God-given purpose was to procreate and fill the world with image-bearers of God. To fill the earth and subdue it. These image-bearers of God who as they without sin perfectly reflected the image of God who had a full and open relationship with God who had rightful communion with God who functioned as vice regents ruling all over the world would have been glorious. Would have been a sight to see. It's hard for us to even imagine it since we're so used to the tar of sin in our world and our creation. But the call to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, filling the world with image bearers of God, was God's intention for mankind. It still is His intention for mankind. And this goes back to what we talked about earlier. If you don't see in humanity the image of God, then you don't understand that more people is good for our world. Today we're talking about how we've got population issues and how we've got too many people and how can we get rid of some and, and what are we going to do to change this trajectory. And, and, and people, people today, they, they don't want to have too many kids. They don't want to have more than uh, one or two. And, 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 and you know, that, that's all up to you. But I'm just saying that what God is saying here is that more people made in the image of God on our world, in the earth, is God's intended purpose. For creation. It's not contrary to it. And if we don't understand that, if we don't see the goodness of that, even marred with sin and the curse, that we're going against God's design. But there is an ultimate fulfillment in this call to reproduce godly offspring. And it comes in the seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham, the seed of David, through whom all the nations are blessed. It comes to ultimate fulfillment in the New Testament as Jews and Gentiles are both united to Christ. It comes in the New Testament to not simply be understood as physical procreation, as if any procreation is only physical, but to be understood spiritually as well. That the New Testament counterpart to God's blessing then to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it, comes in Matthew chapter 28 when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all I commanded you. That we are told that creating spiritual offspring has gained even more important significance. That That spiritual offspring does not always necessarily have to be tied to physical. It often is. It's the way God operates, but it's not always. And it doesn't have to be. That the way that we Fill the earth with image bearers of God who bring peace and shalom and justice and righteousness. Now, is not by necessarily procreating, but by preaching the gospel. By declaring to those whose image of God has been distorted by the fall and the sin and the curse... That there is a Savior who has come and imaged God perfectly. He is Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God. And he's lived among us. And he has died for us. And he lives now forevermore. And if you believe upon him, if you turn away from your sin and you trust in him, he will begin to restore the image of God in you. He will save you from your sins. He will bring you redemption. And what does Jesus do? He gives us the responsibility of being ambassadors, vice-regents of the kingdom of God, proclaimers of the good news of the gospel, that the image of God that's been distorted in you by sin can be restored in Jesus Christ, that the salvation you once possessed as mankind who walked freely in fellowship with God in the Garden of Eden can be restored by you being forgiven of your sins in Jesus Christ. When asked why he was so resistant to the conclusion that man may well be the only intelligent life in the universe, Stephen Hawking, the English astrophysicist, said, the human race is so insignificant. I find it difficult to believe the whole universe is a necessary precondition for our existence. That the whole thing, all those billions and billions of galaxies and their billions and billions of stars separated by those vast distances that we can compute but cannot comprehend that it's all just legroom for man and woman, seemed to him to be impossible. Yet this is the picture given to us in Genesis. Man is the crowning jewel of God's creation. And if you notice, it's not until the sixth day is completed. The male and female are created in the image of God, that God declares the creation to be very. All of creation is a story upon which, or excuse me, all of creation is a stage upon which the story of redemption is to be played out. Where the image of God in Christ, which was lost in Adam, can be restored so that we can once again fulfill our destiny to commune with God throughout all eternity in Jesus Christ his Son through the operation of the Holy Spirit on a renewed earth. And that's why when we talk about mankind's origin and purpose, we say God created us to commune with him in Jesus Christ, his son, through the operation of the Holy Spirit. When he made us in Genesis 1, and we are told God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female created him, that was the reason so that we could commune with him in Jesus Christ, his Son, through the power and operation of the Holy Spirit, throughout all eternity, the new heavens, the new earth. Amen. Will we you pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the way that you've loved us, you've made us in your image, given us dignity. made us able to have relationship with you, a relationship which you've restored in Jesus Christ and an image which you are restoring in us through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to know the importance of what it means to be made in your image and help us, Lord, to live as those who reflect you, who you are, as those who represent you, as vice regents, those who care for and rule and provide and protect, and as those who preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, That image bearers of God can be known, can come to you all over the world. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.